The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. It is December 10th. We have only a couple of shows left before the end of the year. Um, But we're not talking uh, we're not talking about end of the year stuff we're talking about the whole league we're talking about potential relocation and arena purchases we're talking about the injury ninja uh coming stomping through the boston bruins um you were talking about firing a still reasonably popular coach uh all sorts of stuff on the board today do we really um, want to talk about that touching on uh, dean evison and will he or won't he um, He's already been fired. Yes. Okay. But our will he or won't he question was, where, will he be back behind the bench before the start uh, of the season? Um, and have a will he or won't he be by the time the show wraps. So, where are we starting? Oh, goodness. The gift that keeps on giving. Playoff odds? Yeah, let's start with the playoff odds. Sure, why not? Sounds like a plan. Okay, Uh, we're using uh, Money Puck as we frequently do for their predictions. Um, I find them interesting, and someday we're going to have to have uh, the folks or or someone from Money Puck on here to help tell us how they calculate their odds. Um, Because right now, today... um, this is today. This Panthers. is updated. This is updated today. Updated now. Yep. Okay. Now I'm going to just pull up the NHL standings at the same time. And while I understand some of the discrepancy between the standings and the uh, between the standings and the actual odds, simply mm-hmm. because of who else is in the division. Okay. If you look at overall points, Vegas Golden Knights, Boston Bruins, New York Rangers, Vancouver Canucks, LA Kings, Florida Panthers, Colorado Avalanche, Dallas Stars, Toronto Maple Leafs, Winnipeg Jets, in that order. The order is a little tiny bit different if you go with points percentage, um, but that's because people have, uh, teams have played a different number of games. Like Vegas has played two more games than Boston, has two more points, um, but they do have that lower points percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, even the Rangers, who have played three less games than Vegas and have four less points, have a slightly higher points percentage. But we'll just go with st- actual standings right now in terms of points. Top odds of to make the playoffs right now according to money puck la kings vegas golden knights dallas stars florida panthers colorado avalanche vancouver canucks new jersey devils new york rangers uh boston bruins and edmonton oilers so ken holland is bribing the odds makers I I think I think some of this has to do with what's with what their um, and this is purely spitballing um, because again I don't know how they calculate this 
but I'm assuming it's record against the teams remaining uh, go into this, the actual quality of the rest of the division. Um, and then when you get to the wild card, head to head with whoever else is. Um, Edmonton is forced is four spots out of a wild card position. Forget yes. about actual yes. like. No. Uh, that said, again, I, I really do want to have someone come on the show someday and explain how they calculate these playoff odds. I'd like to know how Arizona is only 32% possibility. Um, probably because they're Arizona, but um, maybe they don't let, uh, maybe they, maybe they lose points for being homeless. We'll talk about that later. Um, but yes, the Arizona Coyotes uh, with a 5.38, uh, 0.538 points percentage are actually in a playoff spot. They are fourth in their division um, ahead of Nashville, ahead of St. Louis, ahead of Calgary, well ahead of uh, the Edmonton Oilers and the Kraken. Yeah. And the Wilds, who we're, who we're going to talk about uh, in a couple of, or we may talk about um, if we have time towards the end of the show. Um, Edmonton, 80. I'm, I'm just justified. I'm just stuck on this Edmonton, 81.4%. Sorry. Uh-uh. Um, admittedly, they do have some key players who are not playing full potential. Um but the ones that the one that the part that actually makes me giggle, yeah, is you get you go over three more columns in the final. No win cup or four more four more columns. Win oh, okay, cup. win win cup. Yes, Dallas Stars nine point six percent chance of winning the cup. The New Jersey Devils, 9.5% chance of winning the Cup. Um, the Boston Bruins, who spent at least half of the season to date with the best record in the league, and have, and I don't believe that there's a team that has a higher points percentage. There is the, not. The there's Bruins. not. The Bruins and somehow, Kings actually are tied. Somehow have a lower chance of winning the cup than teams who are not in a playoff position today. I do not understand. I can't pretend to understand and I literally cannot. Dallas at 9-6. New Jersey 9-5. Third place is... I like both of those teams a lot. Third place is the Kings with a 9% chance to win the cup. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess they like Drew Doughty as much as we do. And then Florida, 8.9. Florida has almost a three times, almost three times the chance of <coughs> Rangers or the Bruins. And somehow Toronto, who is outside the top 10 for chances to even make it into the playoffs has a better chance of winning the cup as does Minnesota. than the Rangers or the Bruins. As does despite Minnesota. that 
despite that glaring weakness or two glaring weaknesses um, that we've seen from the Toronto team for decades. An inability to win in the playoffs and poor goaltending. It's nice to know that every Canadian team has at least a 0.1% chance to win the Cup. Yes. And one of my favorite bits here is their chance at winning the first pick overall. Oh, they have that? Oh, that's what that last column is. I didn't understand it. Okay. Yes. According to this, the Boston Bruins have a better chance. Well, first of all, they'd have to trade for it because I don't believe they have an actual first round pick. So I would that's hope that's part of the confusion here. I, mean, I would hope that would play into their factoring, but I'm guessing not. I, I don't I exactly I don't know how you can have the first overall pick when you don't have a pick in the first place. <laughs> like are they going to somehow lose every single game the rest of the season in in regulation and be granted a pick from pity? Like is that is that what's going to happen? I guess I, I I don't understand it. You, you can't the the possibility unless you're unless you're expecting them to trade something to get, and they would in this case they would have to trade um, uh, Charlie McAvoy or something to San Jose and only get a first round pick back in return. Uh, if we're being honest, they would have to make trades with San Jose, Chicago, and Anaheim for significant pieces of the oh, roster. Oh, that's right, because you have to cover your butt because it's the lottery. Correct. And so, even those three might not be enough since the the lowest, I think it's the lowest 10 teams. Um, apparently there's a chance the Bruins are going to sell off all of their key parts. Charlie Coyle, Brad Marchand. Charlie McAvoy, Hampus Lindholm, David Pasternak, Matt Rizzik, both goaltenders, both stay cap compliant. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, one, one to each team in the bottom eight just to try and guarantee themselves a chance. Or I mean, the problem team. there is that if the – if the player you'd send them helps enough, they might drop out of, they might climb out of the bottom 10 and then someone else's odds are increased and yours are decreased. That's why you don't make the trade until at the end of the season, just before the trade, just before the draft. Ah, see, I am thinking a little bit 0.2% chance. I just, yeah, I don't, especially when you don't have a first, I mean, to me, that would be the starting point. Does this team have a first-round pick in the upcoming draft? No? Okay. Answer, zero. <laughs> I mean, I love the people at Money Puck. This takes enormous amount of concentration, and I'm sure there are algorithms involved that even I don't understand. But this is there's some crazy stuff going on here that. <sighs> um, I I think that there's uh, a pretty good chance uh, we're going to have to talk about this 
Um, this again in the future. Uh, I do want to track down Peter Tanner and maybe get a Tanner, uh, who's the mind behind Money Puck, and uh, maybe get him on uh, record, do a recording uh, midweek or something, and sew it into a show. Then they put it. Then they put all of their results into this crazy wheel at the bottom. The wheel is fascinating. Um, yeah, no I kidding. can't say that it's the easiest thing to understand in the world, but um, it's not. <laughs> I get that the information comes from the the chart above, but wow, it's just a lot. And then sometimes it's jagged and goes off the. So you kind of have to follow, follow, follow. Oh, wait, it's over here. <laughs> it looks like right now L.A. has the strongest possibility to, well, again, we discussed it, L.A. 9%, you know, and Dallas. And, and Dallas has the highest odds right Dallas. now to win the cup, according to Money Puck, followed by but, New Jersey and then the L.A but only the third highest chance to make the playoffs, but the highest chance to win the cup. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, some of, the, I, some of that is potential cal, or is the calculation of potential matchups, but once you get there, I guess. Yeah. Okay. We all know that anything can and probably will happen in the NHL playoffs. Um, yeah. It makes it even less predictable than trying to figure out who is going to be the next coach fired uh, in the NHL how come, and how, how fast LA, they're going to get back into back behind the uh, bench. Um, how, how come L.A. and Vegas only have a zero percent chance of getting the first pick in the draft? Because they're in the same division as San Jose. Oh, and San Jose is. Approaching record bad. Um, record bad? Is that rec- even is that even a thing? Record have bad. Eight wins, and in twenty-seven games. Yeah, but. And based on their schedule, and yeah, uh, it was nice that Hurdle got a hat trick against the Islanders. But based on their schedule. I'm not even sure they're going to get to 10 wins before the year is over. Today, they play the Vegas Golden Knights. On when, on Tuesday, they play... Yes, they have one... Two, they have nine games left before the end of the year. Okay. Ten games left. I'm not sure they win any of them. Well, first of all, they're on a two-game win streak. They're 5-4-1 in their last ten. Don't care. Oh, okay. They're actually playing team. Well, aside from aside from Arizona, mm-hmm. they're playing teams that are buttoned down the rest of the the rest of the calendar year. Vegas, Winnipeg, Arizona, Colorado, Los Angeles, Arizona again. Um, then they play the Canucks. They have the holiday break, and then they come back to back for LA and the Oilers, 
Um, and then they uh, then they finish the year against Colorado again. The most winnable game on that is against the Oilers. Who, by the way, are riding the NHL's current hottest win streak as they are winners of six in a row, the Edmonton Oilers, that is. Seven and three in their last ten. Yep, but that's that. That game is 18 days from now, where they will have their own schedule, <laughs> and just be coming off the holiday break. So momentum is likely to have shifted at least once or twice between now and then. No. Why are you so mean to Edmonton? Just because they have, they're just because they're goaltending. Is, is terrible. Their defense is terrible. I've been yes, but I've been all over their goaltender. Not not one of their three goaltenders is above ninety on the save percentage. <sighs> yeah, Jack Campbell, who was supposed to be fabulous after he left Los Angeles, has been um, anything but. Has an eight seventy three. Stuart Skinner, who I thought was going to be better than this, and I. I get the feeling he's one of these goaltenders that if you put him behind a reliable, I'm not saying has to be superstar, but if you put him behind a reliable defense, his save percentage at least creeps over 90. And Reliability of defense is such a weird thing. We've seen it here in Boston um, uh-huh. where, play, where communication between defense and goaltender is – Markedly different between two different goaltenders. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the goaltenders there aren't communicating, if the defense there isn't communicating, or if everyone's so frustrated that they don't trust each other in the first place. Um, or maybe they're just got three bad goaltenders. Um, part of Edmonton's problem. Obviously, the back end. Uh, They have only three teams have allowed a higher goals against per game. And you're going to be surprised by one of these teams, possibly two of these teams, considering the uh, considering the money puck stuff we were just looking at. Mm -hmm. But the San Jose Sharks have allowed are the only team allowing more than four goals per game in the league right now. goals against. Has has that even been done this this side of like the 2005 lockout? Like in the cap error, has it ever been that bad? I don't know. I will look into it. I don't have an answer for that one. That would take some digging. Um, The New Jersey Devils have allowed 3.6 goals against per game. Wait a minute. But yes. they're like have a better percentage chance of making the playoffs than the Bruins. That's because they're scoring 3.64 goals per game. Oh. That, that four hundredths of a goal makes all the difference in the world, apparently. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning have allowed 3.52 goals per game. And Edmonton has allowed 3.46. 
The problem for Edmonton, the bigger problem for Edmonton is they're they're only scoring 3.46 goals per game. So they're breaking even. They're they are essentially breaking even. They have which, allowed which 83 is, and scored 83 through their 24 games. Um, I mean, yes, they're sixth in the league in scoring uh, in goals per game, four, but 3.46 goals against is never going to get you wins consistently long term in the NHL. Probably not, no. Which also explains why the Edmonton Oilers are right above them in goals allowed. <laughs> um, I, I, the, the percentages are what throw me, so I, I, because I don't understand how Boston... Uh, are we expecting a collapse in Boston? Is that what their algorithm's telling them, that they're... Maybe his maybe his odds have been uh, include him predicting the Charlie McAvoy, Derek Forbert, and Pavel Zaka injuries. Uh, yeah, I don't understand any of that one either. We got uh, a boatload of injuries, and, and injuries happen. I get it, but. And they could certainly play a part, especially the forward one, because he's key on the penalty kill. Leading the team and in the top, near the very top of the league in terms of uh, shorthanded time on ice, which is why I laugh every time someone says, get rid of him, he's a bum. Uh, who? Are you talking about forward? Yeah. Um, okay, I've been been singing his praises since he played for LA and when he came here everybody went um why he said okay big physical kills penalties um every now and again he gives you a little bit of bonus offense but let's go back to the big physical defensive kills penalties part and you tell me what's wrong with that and I Look, did not I, I'm get not the that. one criticizing him. He's uh, he does a highly valuable thing. Yeah. Very consistently. Does he have bad games? Yep. Are uh, is he as bad as his critics would have you believe? Mm, not even close. Not even close. Just literally not even close. I, I don't get it. We'll never get it. So who is? So how long is? I mean, we got we got three injuries. Zaka, you got you got Zaka, you got the Hall of Famer, and we got Fubuot. How long is? How long are they supposed to be out? I mean, that is the billion dollar question, um, which is roughly the salary of. Uh, Zaka and uh, McAvoy put together. Um, and yes, I'm using cocktail napkin math again. Uh, I mean, according to the according to the article I've read, and of course I've read it because it was indicated that I should read it, which is fine with me. 
Um, it doesn't look like McAvoy is going to miss a whole lot of time. It looks like we may be getting him back sooner than later. Correct. So the Hall of Famer is not going to be missing for very long. Okay. Um, he, but former replaced on long-term injured reserve. Um, so he will be gone a while. Um, now, these three injuries amount to something close to a third. Well, maybe not a third, uh, but probably right around a quarter of the current uh, NHL salary cap. Um, and make it rather difficult to make any trade, or even more difficult to make any more trades um, while they're out. Um, I don't know. Not sure what they're going to do at forward between Portra being benched in the third against Vegas uh, against the Coyotes, uh, the injury to Zaka, which honestly didn't look great. Um, I'm surprised that McAvoy is coming back so fast. Um, uh, between McAvoy, um, uh, honestly, um, because when he went down, he looked, I immediately knew he wasn't coming back that game. Um, it wasn't a guess. I watched him, I've never seen him look that woozy on the ice. I don't know if he got caught. And it's just not as bad as it looked. Or if they're rushing him back, I hope they're not rushing him back. The situation is not yet that dire. If it's if it's a if it's a head thing, the NHL and the, the I mean the, there's protocols in place they won't rush him back. Yes, some people don't believe in the pro I honestly think that they are taking steps to protect players from head, with head injuries and not letting them come back. Unfortunately, those protections weren't put in place when Bergeron got his first concussion and or even his second concussion. But I honestly think that the recognition now is that we've got to protect players with head injuries. So if it was a head, I don't think they'd let him come back until he was 100% cleared. Which leads um, when you me to believe. I don't think that, that I don't think it's that, but I really wish we get Forbort back. Like like we said, I, he's the one that I miss the most. Because how can you not miss the Hall of Famer? Um, I don't know. It, it could be the lack of learning from his own mistakes, the inability to skate backwards, the not that good out of it coming out of his own end. Between uh, between all the players currently injured, whether they're on the long term injured reserve or not, mm-hmm. just under twenty two percent of the salary cap. For those three players. Well it's those it's McAvoy, Zaka, um, Forbert, and Lucic. Oh, that's right, Lucic. Lucic makes like one million dollars. It still it still adds up to twenty one point nine percent of the kit salary cap. 
Wow. Okay. That that's that's, that's uh, not good. Um, and that doesn't even count the dead cap from uh, the dead no. cap from Mike Riley's buyout, which is which will hit this year and next year. But the only two currently listed on long-term IR are Forward and Luch. And, Correct. And, but with that much salary cap downgraded, whether they're not on the whether they're not even practicing or not. Um, it affects a lot of ability to do anything. Um, even just even call ups get tricky. Um, they have. It's probably you're probably going to see uh, Lauko back in uh, because he sat out the last game. And who are, who's going to be the other number two, the other top center is anyone's guess. Um, you have a holiday shopping list or wish list for uh, from the athletic that we'll take a quick look at in a minute. I asked for something very simple uh, for the Bruins, or and I don't think I'm alone in this. Um, in the locker, uh, yes. They, wow, brain has turned off today. Um, <laughs> one of the amusing things uh, going on is the behind the Bruins uh, show. They 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 had the father's trip and. Papa Grizzlick and um, Brad Marchand's father are up there with the other the other dads and some guy named Orr, and they're talking about you know don't don't mic us up together because apparently Grizzlick's father has a potty mouth. Um, we know that Bradley has a potty mouth. Um, I think he was more worried about Morgan Geeky. So if you watch the video, he seemed more worried about Morgan Geeky and, and uh, Morgan Geeky's dad being the potty mouth. He kept warning him that he was mic'd up and that, you know, he didn't want to say anything bad. I didn't realize that, although he was a member of the Bull Gang, so yeah, the possibility of him having a potty mouth are probably, and he's from Charlestown, you know, he's a Massachusetts guy, so... Yeah, possibility of potty mouth is is fairly high in this situation. <laughs> um, but the the issue is the is is as much on the ice as it is in the in the stands. Okay. Um, some of these guys, the more you see of the parent trips, the more you realize how deep things run in certain families. Um. James Van Riemsdyk was mic'd up for the Arizona game. And I think it only strengthens my position that what the Bruins need most right now mm-hmm. is another voice in the locker room. Um, we've, we've mentioned it on and off uh, that, you know, Lucic was supposed to play a part as that veteran voice who can help motivate people 
Oh, yeah. And this team has quite honestly looked emotionally disengaged entirely too much uh, for my liking um, this season. I don't know. The problem is, is I don't have any idea who they could conceivably trade for who can come in. I don't know that that voice is something you could trade for. It's something they're going to have to trade for because there's no one in the locker room doing it. I listened to James Van Riemsdyk, and he, yeah, he congratulates other guys when they score. Yeah. Didn't hear him encouraging anyone after no clips of him encouraging uh, the other players after the Coyotes came back and scored two goals in 32 seconds. No, okay, so let's keep focused. Go back out there, do, win the next shift. None of that stuff that you hear, uh, that you've heard over the years from Chara and Bergeron and Sean Thornton and Greg Campbell and Chris Kelly and even Brad Marsh and, uh, and other guys who were real leaders. I, I think that a big problem here, and I can't blame anyone other than Sweeney, is that he's Brad Marchand or is the lone voice in the locker room at this point. Well, if you honestly believe they brought back Luch strictly for his offensive capabilities or his physic or his level of physicality, and I don't even know if that's a word, but they keep using it on TV, so I'll oh, use it word. here. Physicality. Okay, I'll have it to look is it up. Need a word. Okay. Anyway, uh, it doesn't sound like a word. It's kind of like trickeration. That doesn't sound like a word either. Uh, but if you honestly believe that he was brought back solely for his offensive ability or his physicality, you're wrong. He was brought in to be that second voice. He doesn't wear a letter on his chest. He doesn't need a letter on his chest. You've got to figure with what the way he played when he was here the first time around and the way he's played with other organizations since that he would be that second voice in the locker room, second voice on the bench. He's he is sorely missed. And it's not just because ah he can push people around. Yes, I'm sure his protection would be well liked, especially by guys like. Patra, if you, you know, somebody comes out and messes with Maddie, you know, next shift is going to be Luch's line. Unfortunately, he's not there. But that's not the only reason he's missed. He's missed because he was a leader, believe it or not. He was a leader in that locker room. And, yeah, there isn't – Trent Frederick's not going to do it. Charlie Coyle doesn't strike me as the type to do it. I, I think he I think he can be a decent mentor, but I don't know that he's going to be. He's not like he. I see Charlie Coyle as the guy who is the you're right, that mentor. You get him to practices, you get him uh, plane rides, bus rides, and he's probably absolutely fantastic. He could probably – like pulling Trent aside and saying, okay, well, when we swoop this way, I want you to cut around behind the – he's going to be great on the teaching elements of the game, but he's not that voice. He's – That's why I say There's not a lot of cheerleader not. in his DNA. Uh, 
or drill sergeant or whatever you think of that aspect of team leadership. Mm-hmm. The other problem, the other problem with trying to trade for it is, a, I don't know if it's something you can. I think that needs to be developed. But b, even if you can find somebody like that, the team you're getting him from is not going to be willing to part with a leader. That again, that depends entirely upon what on the construction of the team currently and what they expect to be able to keep and whether they're in blow it up mode. Um, We've already seen the Minnesota Wild off uh, Dean Everson. Um, I don't know that they had a they had the John Hines new coach bounce. They they won four games in a row. They've now lost two games in a row again. At this point, it's entirely possible they make a trade to shake up the room and the roster. And if that's true, maybe a Matt Zuccarella or a Marcus uh, Polino type gets moved out. I mean, Polino has a no-movement clause, so he would need to um, he would need to agree to the trade. Mm-hmm. And I'm not necessarily specifying that it would be him, but or maybe it's maybe it's Jared Spurgeon. He's been he's the captain of that team. Um, he is a little older. Um, if the team is going to commit to getting young right now, right away, um, he might be the guy, uh, he might be the first against the wall. Okay. Um, you look at there, there, I mean, there are certainly other teams who are not performing to where they expect of themselves. That doesn't mean I expect the Ottawa uh, the Ottawa Senators to trade Brady Kachuk because they're not in a playoff spot today. Um, and but if they do, I will certainly drive up and help him pack his bags um, if he's coming here. Um, you look at the Yeah. Look at the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, we've talked about Boone Jenner off and on, and while he's injured at the moment. He ju- yeah, he just broke his jaw. He's out six weeks. He's not a particularly expensive player. And we know, uh, I've seen him play, we've seen him play the right the game the right way for a decade at this point. Um, and I, you, you've heard him on the ice, despite not being mic'd up, you know, giving direction, encouragement, um, that sort of thing to his teammates. I I personally think he'd fit in great, and I I, I think that Marshan would love having him here. Um, <clears throat> so Brendan Gallagher's a no, huh? Brendan Gallagher's contract makes him a no. <laughs> Unless Montreal is willing to eat half of it and take something reasonable in exchange, no, I cannot see that happening. 
I I mean Brendan Gallagher's contract is for six and a half million uh, for this and the next three seasons. He's got a modified no trade and no movement clause, so he's going to have to okay the trade. And admittedly, since he's not seen the playoffs since the pretend offs, he might be willing to do it for the right location. Um, but he's only got 10 points in 27 games this season. He had 14 points in 37 games last year. He had 24 in 56 the season before. So at six and a half million, that would be not encourage not an encouraging sign. Uh, out of the uh, out of Bruins, uh, the Bruins front office. Um, one other team I'll point at because I don't know if they know what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think this guy could actually be a solution in more than one way. Okay. I know you're not talking about who I was hoping you'd mention, but that's all right. Uh, you're probably right. Um <laughs> Like the least expensive, most likely useful for the length of his contract, and we don't have to demand that they keep, that the team keep a bunch of his salary. Mm-hmm. Might be Ryan O'Reilly. No. Twenty-two points, including twelve goals and twenty-seven games this season. $4.5 million, only 32 years of age, which makes him younger than Brad. Um, oh, I thought he was older. Okay. Well, no. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm listening now. I mean, the other guys on that team who probably fit the bill are Yossi and McDonough, but McDonough has had lost a step the last time. I looked at. I took a serious look at him. Mm-hmm. I can't. If they trade Roman Yosi, I mean, at ten point eight percent of the cap, he's only thirty three. I thought he was older. He's been around forever. Um, you're probably you're probably legitimately looking at a Yosi for McAvoy type trade, um, or trying to have two nine point eight million uh, two defensemen on the cap at 10 plus percent. I don't see that happening. So how did they, how did David Poyle and or Barry Trotz get Ryan O'Reilly to agree to four and a half million dollars a year? Um, I think his contract year or the year he signed that contract was not a good year. He did have a down year. Yes. He did have a down season. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. but Well, last year he played 53 games and had 30 points and would have been like a collective minus 21. But most of that Saint time Louis was last year. Was. Where everyone was terrible? Yes. 
Agreed. Um, I think the I think the first exception you can make to the everyone was terrible in St. Louis last year would be the equipment guys and uh, the Zamboni driver. But other than that, everyone any closer to the game itself, mm, gonna need proof. If somehow you could pry Ryan O'Reilly away from, and he doesn't have any kind of nope turns. Does he solve your up-the-middle problem? Because I think he steps into a 1C role. He's better at C than anyone on this team. And if you have him as your number one C, and you juggle, and you positionally use Patra with a route, you positionally use Patra between 2 and 3C usage, um, not necessarily face-offs taken, but usage, like total game. Who are you sending their way? Are they going to – they're not going to – if they're giving up $4.5 million, they're not going to take Zaka's contract. I, if I have to take – if I have to trade them Zaka and another prospect, I'm trading them <coughs> Zaka and another prospect, and I'm doing it happily. What's the other prospect? Zaka's turnovers are as bad as pastas, <laughs> and he doesn't do as much offensively to justify it. Or defensively, for that matter. Okay. If I have to give up, like... Who are you willing to part with? Because they're going to ask for somebody that you're not willing to part with. In terms of prospects, for players who are not currently on the roster... You don't have anyone. Who? I'm okay with anyone who is not currently on the Bruins' Boston roster. Really, you you let Lysel go? Wouldn't like it. But I think that the opportunity to get to a upgrade. So and I, I say upgrade in multiple senses because I think that leadership, faceoffs, um, two-way play. I yeah, think- I, I will take. I will I will take that hit. Um, I think I I am I'm, I'm gonna I'm going to add to your I'm going to add to your to your argument here for Ryan O'Reilly because I think if you can convince the Boston faithful that he's not necessarily taking. Bergeron's place, but you are filling that one seat with a guy who has, in the last four seasons, finished fourth, fifth, third, and first in the Selkie voting. He also has a con Smythe because oh, he beat the Bruins back in 2019. Um, yeah. He has a Lady Bing award to his to his credit. He's, the guy's the real deal. The 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 guy has a two hundred foot game that, while not at the level of a six time Selkie Award winner, is pretty damn good. <laughs> and one of my favorite measurements, and you know where I'm going. Uh huh. He elevates in the playoffs. His points percentage in the playoffs is higher than it is in the regular season. 75 uh, playoff games, 
25 goals, 65 points. Um, his regular season, 1,018 games, 724 points. Um, Mike's emergency back-of-the-head math um, tells me that's enough of an elevation, unlike a certain player they traded for with uh, the Rangers who used to play in Columbus. He averages 21 minutes a night in the playoffs, too. I... Anyone not currently on the Bruins roster, which means Petrar and um, and Lorai are excused from consideration. Yeah, I would trade. I wouldn't trade Beecher either. Um, I wouldn't if they want Beecher. No. I will again dislike it, but I don't necessarily think that the jump, but that the shift between Beecher and McLaughlin is that huge. Uh, and the net difference I do. center between having O'Reilly as your 1C and um, McLaughlin as your 4C versus the current setup, I think you're still ahead. And for that matter, maybe, maybe you bring up Jesper Boquist and you put him in the 4C spot, and you tell him, you've got 15 games. There's a, there's a reason why he's not up here. I know you like Jesper Boquist. I think you like him more than I do. There's a reason he's not up here. I can't put my finger on it as of yet. But there's a reason that he's not playing for the Bruins when he's played in the NHL with the Devils. And I'm sure that in Providence, he's probably lighting it up offensively. I haven't looked at his stats, so I couldn't tell you where exactly he is. But His numbers in the AHL look solid right now. Um, but again, you're talking about a guy who's got multiple seasons in the NHL going up against all manner of... <laughs> You got rookies down there. You got kids who are trying to make it in, in, onto a big club. You got it, – it, it's not NHL caliber throughout the lineup. So I expect him to perform better in Providence. It's whether he can carry that performance on when he gets to the next level, which would be Boston. That's all I'm saying. I, 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 I'm not knocking the guy. I don't think that he's terrible. I'm just curious as to why he's not here. I'm, I am somewhat surprised um, myself. But, man, I, I, I really, really, really. And, look, I've been a Ryan O'Reilly fan since he was in Buffalo half a decade ago. I like the bounce back. I love the bounce back, particularly on a team where – Everyone knew they weren't going anywhere this year. I mean, he's got as many goals through 27 like games this year as he I'd, did in his 40 games with the Blues last year. I'd like to see his face-off percentage come up a little bit. I mean, he's below even his – he's two percentage points below his career average 
this season. I'd like to see it come up a little bit, but other than that, I you can't. There's there's nothing to knock here. I mean, shooting percentage seventeen point six. He's he's the real deal. He's got seven. He's got seven power play goals this season. Out of his twelve, seven are power. Seven are on the power play. Five are even strength. He's still averaging 20 minutes a night. Uh, yeah, I've got no issues with where he's at. Like I said, I like the bounce back last year between St. Louis and Toronto. I don't know, it didn't, just didn't look right. And, and the fact that he only played 53 games, obviously there was an injury and I don't remember what it was. Off the top of my head, I don't either. Um... And, uh, I guess it's time to take a look at one of the perpetual uh, NHL stories. Perpetual. Ah, this is this is the gift that keeps on giving. By the way, the other gift that keeps on giving. Yes. <laughs> um, so we're going to rewind a couple of weeks, uh, real briefly, and talk about the Coyotes Arena Saga. <laughs> November 13th, Remy Masti posts uh, to Hockey News a um, story containing concerns of Marty Walsh, the NHLPA executive director. Um, they're really like some of these quotes are literally just brutal when you put them in context. Ooh. And that first one. Mm hmm. That first one's a doozy. Like that's that's something you're. This is a throwback, right cross from the era when every team had a goon, a backup goon, and a goon they could call up out of the AHL. Um, here's the quote: I think there are lots of rumors about two more expansion teams, expansion teams coming. I would say three expansion teams. The first one really is Arizona. Ouch. They're playing right now in a college arena, 5,100 fans that go to these games and they don't sell out. I think that's the first thing we have to do, figure out what is the long-term play on Arizona. The first, oh. <laughs> we'll, okay. we'll stop there for a second, but go. No, I was just going to say the, the, first, the first part of that quote is harsh. The second part of that quote I kind of agree with him on. I completely agree with him on the second part. And he's not wrong on the first part. He's wrong for saying it that way. But it's Marty Walsh. He was he's he was mayor of, he was mayor of Boston and then he was in, in charge of the labor department until well, I think he got fired, but <laughs> or maybe he resigned. I don't remember which, but he wasn't there the whole term of, of the current president who put in there, so <laughs> He might have quit because the NHLPA came calling. I don't know. The thing is, he in his in 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 his prior positions, he's spoken his mind, especially when he was mayor of Boston. He he wasn't one to. There's no sugarcoating anything. Yes, 
during 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 the pause when he would do his daily briefing from the stairs outside, he, he didn't cut you know he he didn't parse words. <laughs> so I wouldn't expect him to here, but yeah, that probably should have been kept to himself. I I, I suspect that this is there's going to be some. I suspect there's going to be some some tough renegotiations even before the next uh, the next CBA is due, um, and that's a couple of years out. But let's let's continue the the quotes. Those players are National Hockey League players. Mm-hmm. They deserve to play in a National Hockey League rink. So hopefully we can do that, and that's part of the business model too. You can't have 31 teams playing in a full arena and then one playing in a college arena where you're the second tenant. You're not even the first tenant in that building. The last half of that. Again, accurate. The last half of that is why he's going to be effective for the NHLPA because he's really saying the very same things that Gary Bettman said and acted on when he helped renegotiate the arena deals for Columbus and Nashville and a couple of other uh, expansion teams that got them from perpetually in the basement to making the playoffs and threatening for the playoffs about about 10 or 12 years back. You remember when Columbus and Nashville came in, they had no say in their arenas. They were barely alive. And this is this is the same situation. There is a difference. Nope, there is a difference. The owners of those other franchises <clears throat> don't have a reputation for being belligerent, argumentative. Um, oh wait, not paying their bills. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody wants to work with, at least not pleasantly or. Uh, completely free of protections. Nobody wants to deal with Alex Malulo because he has he has the reputation that he doesn't pay his bills. It's been documented that he doesn't pay his bills. It's been documented that he pulls little antics like not paying, and then at the time that he does have to pay, he suddenly has issues with the product that he's receiving in return, whatever that may be. And saying or, that, or well, trying to that. negotiate what he owes down. Yes, that. And it's been documented. We discussed that multiple times. So, yeah, there is a difference between Batman going to bat for those other franchises. And the problem is I haven't seen him go to bat for Arizona. Have you heard him say, you know, that he's getting involved or that he's going to? I mean, you- Batman, Batman has been keeping the Coyotes in Arizona by sheer force of will for 20 years. That's because as long he's as he not is, letting it go. <laughs> as long as he is the NHL's commissioner, mm-hmm. unless the other, unless ownership completely overrules him, they're staying in Arizona. He, he, 
he wants to see it succeed. I don't know what it is about that particular. Yes, he wants a franchise in that. He wants hockey in the desert. Oh, no, no, no. He, From a business you, point of view, it's completely understandable. They are uh, the their Phoenix area is the 15th largest uh, media market. It covers a huge, huge number of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that the advertising revenue is what drives the league. Honestly, the teams could all continue to play uh, with reduced capacity and the league would still go on. Okay. Because it's it's the TV deals. It's that's that's what pays the bills. Right. Anyone who tells you otherwise is bad at math. No, it's not the gate. I mean, granted, ticket prices have gone it's up. Not but the it's gates, not the it's gate. It's not jerseys. It's not the T-shirts. It's the TV deals. And being able to negotiate with advertisers when you when you cover as many markets as po- as many big markets as possible um, with a native product that is that's the money that's the money maker that's the key right um, I don't. What we so that's the Walsh and NHLPA position. But he did also say uh, he did also say he was concerned that he was hoping oh, yes. they'd be further along in what they're going to do next. Um, promised they were going to work on some stuff. Right now, it's just speculation, nothing concrete. And that was last month. That was um, middle of November. Yeah. So currently, and I don't know how much of this is a direct response to criticisms, but as of uh, two days ago, mm-hmm. the uh, there's reports of the Coyotes being in position to make purchase of uh, of land just sort of just outside uh, the 101 loop. This is the one we talked about at the beginning of the season, the, the, the land. Yes. That's, okay. Um, now, uh, Jim Waring, who is the Phoenix City Councilor, where the land is located, um, had a preliminary meeting two months ago, so just yeah, before the season. That's when, that's when we talked about it, yeah. Um, he hasn't heard updates on it. Um Um, the Coyotes uh, CEO Gutierrez hasn't uh, won't comment publicly, uh, won't confirm it, um, but did say I think we'll be in touch pretty soon. But the um, fact that the, the fact that the, that the city council member hasn't heard anything that's not concerning to anyone. Oh, it's it's concerning, um, but it. Having worked in environments where passing the blame is standard procedure and failure to learn how to do it is um, is immediate career suicide, I, I'm willing to at least suspend disbelief for a few more days. Um, um, but the 
my my favorite part is the paragraph, the 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 the, the couple of sentences right here that we haven't got to yet. Yes. My sure. favorite part. For the coyotes to purchase the state land, you know, the land that they're talking about in, in, in Phoenix area there, the team would have to ask the state to put it up for public auction. If the state agreed, then it would sell the land to the highest bidder. And as we talked about pre-show, once to stop the pagulas. <laughs> I don't know why I pick on them. I'm sorry. I really shouldn't. Realistically, the Pagulas are so busy running two teams up in the Buffalo market. I I don't think they would actually do it unless Marullo has annoyed them, too. Um, but <laughs> what's, the land, to stop, what's to stop? Uh, OK. And uh, any billionaire, Tim Cook, Elon Musk, are you guys listening? What's to stop any billionaire from stepping in and buying the land? out from under or over I guess since it would be the highest bidder the Arizona Coyotes organization it's just it sounds cold they'd have to ask for a public auction to buy the land and they would have to but the problem is is that you know you start sort you start that sort of nonsense with other billionaires and it's just going to snowball and when you have as large a tool chest as a billionaire for exacting um, pettiness and reprisals. Um, it could it could get very ugly very quickly. That's fine, but you, I mean, stop and take a look at the owner of the Arizona Coyotes. I, I mean, I'm not you, saying that he hasn't made enough uh, enemies that that's not a possibility. I'm simply saying that. Um, most of the billionaires in the country are sensible enough to avoid such behavior. So they've indicated Most. they've indicated they're they're open to the coyotes coming to Phoenix, but not willing to offer in, not particularly willing to offer incentives to attract them. You know, I Given the troubles that franchise has had, and some people have just said that it's just plain cursed and has been forever, um, and the shifting sentiment over the last 30 years in terms of funding sports uh, arenas, mm-hmm. um, I'm not surprised. Um, I, I'm really not surprised that they're willing to take a hardline position. Um, but Let's face it, Gary Bettman is not going to let this die. He's just not. But he can't. He can't put NHL funds into it. And um, the mayor has said that the only. No, back up a second. Oh, go ahead. The NHL bought the team at one point. There was the no. There was no owner, so there was coyotes. nobody who. Right. There was no the ownership that they had was. Mm, it was a custodianship or, yes. or guardianship, if you want to call it that. But they were still the financial entity uh, who got the bills and paid the bills for the Coyotes. Yes. Doing an arena deal where the league gets a percentage of revenue, a an additional cut of revenue for a number of years until – 
until the until the loan is paid off. I don't know that it's necessarily bad for the league. I don't know that. I don't know that if you're going to get the owners to agree to it. I don't know if there's something. I I, I don't know. I, I can see it working, particularly if it's done. If the arena is done well and they manage to get a second tenant in there, um, or a strong enough concert tour to pay uh, to pay it back at an accelerated rate. Um, you know, at this point, you get Taylor Swift and Beyonce to have a couple of concerts there, and you probably made your payments for the year. I mean, I guess it's a good thing they don't have to get references from, like, past landlords, because I don't think Kevin Phelps is going to give them any kind of um, glowing recommendation. Uh, that that does not appear to be in the offing. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, no. The whole Glendale situation? Mm, yeah, no. So, and the fact that the city manager in Phoenix has, and the mayor, I'm sorry, the, the city manager, the mayor of Phoenix, Yasemin Ansari, vice mayor, excuse me, she would consider assistance with public infrastructure, but that's it. Does taxpayers don't want dollars going to millionaires? Would rather, and the city communications director said, "What does the city communications director have to do with setting policy?" I have no idea, but he's listed in the article, so I have. I don't care. Like (laughs) until you tell me he has a vote in setting policy for the for the city, because he's the. He's 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 a city communications director, so he's speaking for the city manager Jeff Barton, who said that they have no intention of asking the city council for public money. So then, all they're going to get is help with public infrastructure, roadways into, uh, you know, a, a, an exit off the highway, whatever is needed publicly. But as far as the building is concerned, as far as buying the public land to build the building is concerned. It doesn't sound like Phoenix is giving them anything. I'm okay with that. I am as well. I just, I, I, I don't see. He's not gonna. You know, this is something that if the NHL is hoping that they're gonna get perks or something, I don't know what they're waiting on. Because if you go back to the beginning of the article, they have not heard from Arizona from the Coyotes anything. City council member said he hasn't heard updates since he was unsure how certain the deal was. That was two months ago. That's it. Other council members, uh, yeah, we know they're looking into Phoenix, but what are they doing about it? They're not. They're dragging their feet. Gary Bettman set a set a timeline back in the summer. We talked about this that he wanted this done by the beginning of the year. The beginning of the year is two and a half weeks away, three weeks away. Correct. And they haven't bought the land yet. Land purchases can take time, particularly when you have to go through state procedures. But they haven't even talked to the people who they have to buy the land from. Well, no, we don't know that because the city manager is not the state office. 
and the state office has not returned any comments. Okay. Um, so that, hockey fans, is your update on the 31st and a half franchise in the league, according to Marty Walsh? So as it says in the article here, the Coyotes are still homeless. It says they became not a homeless. Quite. It says they became a homeless franchise in 2022. That was the whole Kevin Phelps thing. Then they entered into the current agreement to play at Arizona State's Mullet Arena. They have two years left plus this year, so they have two and a half years left on that deal. Um, they tried to get into Tempe, that failed. But if they're not, I guess my concern is, and 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 then I'll let this go. If we go back to the very beginning of the story, they're not selling out a 5,100-seat arena. Um, some of that may be a question of location. I don't remember where – I've never been to Phoenix. I don't remember where the arena is, what public transportation to it is like, what parking is like. Um, there's there's factors. Okay. I mean, it's Arizona State. It's not like people can't find the arena. And I'm going to guess that there's public transportation because it's part of, oh, I don't know, a college, which students have to get to. And not every student lives at the college. I know I went to college. I commuted. I took public transportation until I got a parking pass because I realized public transportation was ridiculously expensive. But If they're not selling out a 5,100-seat arena, what makes me think that having a 17,000-seat arena, just because they own it, is going to make things better? Um, That's an interesting question, but I I think that even bad teams with with an arena have sold out their – with a real arena have sold out that arena – Okay. Um, more importantly, and Mar- Walsh, Marty is right. That they're an expansion team? Well, that's a little overstatement, but um, that the <laughs> players, at, both the players there and the players coming into uh, as vis- to come into the visiting locker room absolutely deserve to play in a real NHL arena. Um, Leaving aside this season's aggressively mediocre, I mean, realistically mediocre results, this team hasn't been in the playoffs in over, in like a decade. True. That's a long time. That's a long time for a fan base that's never had any success to hold on um, I agree. No, I, 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 they have not been, and that would certainly be, in my opinion, if not number one, then it would be in the top three of reasons why they don't sell out the building. That said, if they actually make the playoffs this year – they will sell out at least the first 20 games of next season. Sure. 
I think, uh, well, I'll be more conservative and say 10, but okay, 20. Um, I... And again, I've never set foot in Phoenix. Um, looking at the map around the campus, yeah, I don't see any parking garages. I don't see any large... Okay, I see one parking garage uh, or parking lot. Um, okay. I don't see... <sighs> location, location, location... I mean, there's a high school literally like three blocks away. Again, I don't see parking. Okay. Um, I also don't, I mean, there's, it looks like there's a bus stop or two right there. But yeah, there's some bus stops nearby. Um, I don't, off the top of my head, uh, believe that there's like a train station or a T or anything like that, but. I've been on buses. In all honesty, you could have just said the fact that, okay, at a college arena, they don't have luxury boxes. And the fact that selling luxury boxes is equal to bringing in revenue for the franchise, which I agree. I mean, you look at the luxury, you look at the luxury boxes. I'm sure that there's more money tied up in those right now. You're attracting you're attracting the 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 everyday fan but you you there's nothing attractive for the there's nothing there's nothing well attractive to do for the, or for know, the hey, laptop class the the business the ones the that are trying folks. to impress a impress a client or you know yes there is so. a light rail station about two and a half blocks away. Uh, I mean, in Boston, literally the garden is built over the train station. It is. Um, Although they need to work on their, they need to work on the commuter rail schedule. <laughs> that's a whole other topic. Oh yeah, and a whole other show. <laughs> we could start a podcast on commute on travel in the, in New England and. Oh yeah. Well, we've both been there, done that, so. <laughs> um, what else is on the board we want to talk about? What is, uh, it looks like there's a couple of small things. What is this salary cap thingy that's on you? Uh, one more time, these are still projections. And I've heard this story before. Um, we heard it last year that the cap was going to go up big, and then it didn't happen. Um, it barely rose at all. Um, and now we're hearing this season, or as of two days ago, that the League Board of Governors um, discussed a couple of things. And right now, it's gonna go as of December 5th, expected to rise to 877 um, from the 83.5 this year, um, which was up only a million from the year before. Um, and, of course, the flat cap uh, during the COVID era. Um, it's going to go up 4.2 million? 4.2 million. So, effectively, very nearly a uh, a Ryan O'Reilly contract. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> 
They got to find a way to come up with the other 300 grand. That's it. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) I had not figured out the math that way. So basically 83.83.5 plus Ryan O'Reilly equals 87.7. Okay. That's that. that You're a math genius. Thank you. I, I try. So is there any reason why we shouldn't believe this? Are they saying that there's a possibility this might not happen? Are they saying that uh, we're looking into it? It, it, it's, it all depends on the final numbers. Um, at this point, we, we honestly, every single hockey fan who wants to see their team hold on to quality players and build for the future – um, who is cap-strapped or nearly cap-strapped at this point, should be hoping and praying, if you do that sort of thing, mm-hmm. that every single big market team makes it into the playoffs. Even if you hate them, you should be hoping that they make it into the playoffs uh, because playoff revenue will will decide where the final cap situation is. So you can hate Boston, you should still hope they get in. You should, you can hate Toronto, you should still hope they get in. You can hate the Rangers and the Flyers, and you should still hope they get in. You can hate Detroit, you should still hope they get in. Um, you can hate Dallas, you should still hope they get in. You can hate Vegas and the Canucks and the Kings, and you should jump for joy if all three of them make it into the playoffs. Um, same thing with Arizona. They're they're a big media market, even if they're not, even if the arena is tiny. Um, even Seattle, people should be jumping for joy if Seattle makes it into the playoffs a second uh, this year. It would be nice if Chicago could make it in, but we know that's not going to happen. <laughs> Um, because getting as much advertising time, TV time, primetime games um, in those markets and sucking revenue out of the advertisers um, is the only way forward. So the League of the wait, the League, the Board of Governors here and the, the, the they discussed Arizona and Batman even said, that the mullet arena and this is a quote it's the only place they can really play in arizona currently yes <laughs> and they also i mean they also talked about protective equipment uh for cut resistant for the net because yakub actually wears one he wears the neck protector the 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 neck protector for you know against cutting from skateboarding. Yeah, and he recently had that scare where it literally cut his eye. Well, he's still wearing a full birdcage too. If I'm not mistaken, I haven't seen him take it off yet. He's still wearing the full birdcage. I don't know if it's because the cut hasn't fully healed or, or he just likes the added protection, but he's still wearing the full birdcage as well as the neck protector. But the league hasn't actually come out and said anything about requiring 
said neck protectors and cut resistant materials to be used or be enforced. I think that that's going to be an off-season decision. Yeah, that's what like, it sounds that like. Feels like the sort of announcement that they quietly ship out twelve hours after the cup goes up, and they give the teams the whole summer to um, the whole summer to they make sure that the gear is there and the players time to order and try out five different. Um, it, it sounds like they options. Yeah, it sounds like they've it sounds like they've pushed it to an offseason. It's a, and the final quote is we have a joint committee, the protective equipment subcommittee with players association. We're working cooperatively. There's a lot of studying that is going on. I think ultimately we may get there in terms of mandating cut resistant equipment. So it sounds like they're kicking that can down the road. Yeah. But certainly 4.2 million dollars uh, per team is going to uh, have an effect on the on the landscape of next season and going forward to the next CBA. So that will be fun to watch and see how the teams decide to spend their newfound gains. I don't know uh, that there's anything else on the list here, though. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. There is, there is in fact, more on the list. The will he, won't he? The we do. That's not all. Oh, really? What else do we have? We of course have the um, hockey tournament uh, schedule. Oh, I skipped over that. There it is. Um, So at some point. The NHL is making plans to hold a four-team in-season international tournament starting in 2025. Um, it's going to include the U.S., Canada, Sweden, Finland. Um, and this is going to be something that they shut down uh, the league for for a couple of weeks. The best of the of these four nations uh, show up and show down. Um and it's going to be part of a regular rotation with the Olympics the uh, and the World Cup of Hockey. Um, I think this is I think this is a good showcase for hockey. Is this is um, this their response to the basketball in season tournament? Um, in fairness, they've been talking about doing this for at least four or five years. Everybody wants um, to do in-season tournaments. And I'm which not I think about. is utterly ridiculous, but then again, it's the NBA. It's not just the NBA, though. They do in-season tournaments in other leagues, uh, the ones you talked about pre-show, you know, with the the rugby leagues and the cricket leagues. and the, the, During their regular yes, but seasons, those are they have long-standing parts of their game that mean something. This doesn't determine, like... It doesn't get you a buy in the playoffs. It doesn't do anything. They're just, it's just a gimmick. Okay. It's just a gimmick. So this tournament is just NHL players. Um, I don't know if it'll end up being just NHL players. But... Um, well, it says to, right here the tournament would be limited only to NHL players. 
and could take place in multiple locations, but that is also oh not confirmed. There we go. So nothing is confirmed. Correct. Oh, okay. Then sure. All right. Um, I, I think that there. Go ahead. I suspect that they that we won't know, and based on what's in the article, we won't know until we know what the Olympics are going to be doing. Um, would it be nice to have more than four nations and make it a a good, you know, eight ten days of games uh, two or three times a day? Yes. Uh, but I like I like the idea. Um, maybe make up a couple of world teams of the other players and make it a six-team tournament. Okay. But that's uh, that's just that's my speculation, and unfortunately, Gary Bettman doesn't listen to me. He's too busy trying to work out a deal with the IOC. That's it. The International Olympic Committee, yeah. That's what it is. So, it, it, again, I'd, I'd like to see it. I, I, it, it Look, doesn't I'm sound like it's going to happen until more 25. Hockey. It's more hockey. It's more competition. It's not going to happen, I guess, until at least 2025, based on what I've read. And, again, I could have completely misconstrued that as well. And then they're trying to figure out players for the 2026 Olympics. And I know they've got things. I know they got more than one thing to do, but it's, it seems like they get themselves stretched a little thin and they can't focus on any one particular aspect of anything. See, I would prefer the Olympics to go back to entirely um, amateur players. Well, that's, so, that was the whole point of it to begin with. No NHL, no NBA, no KHL or Swedish League or um, if you're essentially if you're over the age of, say, 22 and being paid to play a sport, you're not eligible. There's a couple of issues there and, um, you know, not to not not to go down the rabbit hole, but number one. The NCAA and name image likeness agreements. So now college players are technically getting paid. Um, okay, getting get, paid a salary. Okay. I and the other problem is that one. the other problem is that we were sending college athletes that weren't getting paid, amateur athletes, and the rest of the world was sending professionals. Which is why the American uh, Olympic Committee finally decided that it was okay to send professionals. That's why in '84 with the Dream Team and they sent Jordan and Bird and and because it was the first time they allowed professionals to go and we we cleaned up. So it it I would like it to be amateur, but it needs to be global. And that's unfortunately not going to happen. Right. Um, so go ahead I will jump back somewhat on topic um, sure. Dean Evison is the trivia question to who is going to be the second NHL coach uh, 
let go this year. Um, the first one happening even before the season started. Um, and our will here, won't he question? Pretty straightforward answer from the vo- uh, from the voters this week. Um, will here, won't he? Will Dean Evison have a new NHL head coaching job before the start of next season? Two thirds of voters said, uh, "Nope, sorry, really, not allowed." So, so he's going to take time off, and nobody's going to hire him because. That's coaching, an entirely different question. I was going to say the coaching carousel, the way it works, he's going to have a job. <laughs> I mean, he might end up as an assistant coach somewhere for a year or two, but he will. I don't think he's. I don't think he's uh, blighted his copybook so badly that he's never going to. Uh, never going to get another NHL job unless he just plain doesn't want one. I don't. I don't just and I don't disagree with that statement. I mean, you look at what he was able to get out of Minnesota last season. And granted, yeah, in, this is a what have you done for me lately league, but in his you, three full seasons there, though, his numbers are good. Yeah. Like he's got almost he's got over 100 wins. Um has it been 3 years now? He was the coach I, for 56 games uh of the yeah, 2021 season. So they hired um, him after the pause. Yes. Uh, they lost. He was brought. He, he became head coach, I think, during the lock, uh, during the pause. Well, they fired Boudreaux, yeah. Um, and his, yes, three first-round playoff exits, but that's three first, that's three round, three visits to the playoffs, which is more than some teams have had um, who have been around as long. Um, 6.7, 6.89, and 6.28 points percentages in the three full seasons. Did they start off badly this year? Yes, they did. Um, and Bill Guerin got the itch because they started off, they struggled. A struggle is probably being generous because even with that four game wins (laughs) with the new coach bounce, um, there's Bill Garen got itchy, pulled the trigger. (laughs) They're still going to be um, reserving uh, seats to watch the playoffs on their on their couch. I don't know. They had a better they had a better chance of making the. Maybe I should pull up those numbers again. Hold on. If I remember correctly, they had a fairly. They're behind the St. Louis Blues. Oh, okay. They've only got three more points than the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, and they've only got four more points than San Jose. Yeah, their their opportunity. Yeah, their percentage to make the playoffs is fifty-seven point one. Which somehow is better than. Hey, I, I didn't. I didn't uh, calculate those odds nor post them to the internet. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. So Dean Everson's not going to have a. I, I. I tend to agree with this. I don't think that he's going to, but. The way the coaching carousel works and the way coaches get, I mean, 
Babcock got a job with Columbus before he became creepy. Babcock creepy old has guy. a Babcock was present when a team won the ring. Won the, uh, won there. Yes, I could have been standing on the bench, and they still would have won a Stanley Cup. You know, in spite of me, that that particular team. <laughs> Seriously, the, the, he was not necessary. He wasn't a coach. He was a manager. He, he basically managed their ice time. There was no, I mean, the talent level on that squad was, yeah, the phrase through the roof comes to mind, but I don't know that he was hugely impactful. Except to make sure that they were on the ice when they needed to be on the ice. I do like the photo of um, the the photo in the international tournament because it looks like yeah. that's, that looks like Bergeron, <laughs> and it's number thirty-seven. But you know, for Canada, even though he's not actually an active player anymore. I could be wrong. It could be somebody else. It could be young. Uh, I can't Paul. think of anyone else who's worn 37 uh, outside of juniors for several years. It could be Yanni Gord, but I don't think he's from Canada. I, I don't think he would make the Canadian team. Right. I don't think he's from Canada. Um, Even if he is from Canada, I don't think he'd make the Canadian team. With the exception of sharing a few Christmas wishes... Uh, we can either hold that off or we can because we pretty much covered everything on the board this week there Mike um, why don't we uh, why don't we go with our go with the first five that uh, amuse thee the, the first five that amuse thee okay there are some amusing ones on this list so My, you want me to go first? That's what it is. Okay. So which one amuses me the most? Um, I'm gonna let you have the Boston Bruins one because. See, I will go. Okay, uh, if you want to talk about the Bruins one, but don't want to use it, fine. I'll do it. Um, the athletic article has the Boston Bruins as Patrice Bergeron's unretirement, um, and then they then they uh, haul tail back in the other direction, trying to walk that one back. With this isn't meant as that much of a knock on the Boston Bruins' current crop of centers. <laughs> yeah, that I, I love that reversal. <laughs> that much of a knock. Yeah. Um, no. As much as I love Bergeron, like legitimately, I've been his number one fan uh, since dude arrived at training camp low these many years ago. Um, not the solution, not a long term solution, not a medium term solution. Um, please go get me Ryan O'Reilly or Joel Erickson, whichever one. I still want when I still want Elias Lindholm. Um, 
Uh, I guess I guess I'm I can add him to the list of centers that you know. But Joel Erickson Eck, I don't know you're gonna pry him away from Minnesota. I think you have a better shot at Ryan O'Reilly. And I think you have a really good shot at Elias Lindholm. But I put him a step below as far as two hundred foot game, I'd probably put him a step below those although Elias Lindholm has been up for the Selkie Award as well, so I don't know what I'm saying. I gotta I gotta stop contradicting myself. I still want Elias Lindholm. It would be entertaining if you did. Confusing, but entertaining. Sure. Fair enough. Um one other one of note. Um, this one's a little bit harsh, uh, but I, I kind of sort of agree with the sentiment, uh, particularly if what I'm seeing about the dra- the upcoming draft is correct. Um, I'm seeing that there's a lot, a lot. Uh, Alex- Alexander Appleyard, uh, who works for Smart Smart Scouting, uh, yeah. tweeted this morning that this is a an insane D class, the best since uh, maybe 20, uh, 2008. Likely 13 to 15 will go in the first round. 13 to 15 defensemen in the first round. That's, uh, that's eye-popping. But uh, jumping back into the list, uh, the wish for the Philadelphia Flyers is some losses. Which wish is for some losses. Um, that's. I feel in some ways I feel the same way about that as I do the Patriots uh, winning this week. Yes, it was nice to see. Not that I got a chance to watch the game, but. Um, and nice to know that some of the players can get across the finish line. Um, as a as a pure fan living in the moment, no, I want my team to win as much as possible. As a reasonable fan, yes, I want the team to have to be as well armed as possible for winning the long term. So yeah, it's it's an interesting take. Um, and yes, John Tortorella is performing miracles because that roster is still not good. Uh, well, I have a couple. And I'm going to start with number 14 because I love this one. The Edmonton Oilers, who are currently 10-12-1, last week ranked 16th. Uh, but now they're up to 14th. Their, no, their number one Christmas wish list item, a new coach to fix absolutely everything. Now, in this story, obviously, they fired Woodcroft and they hired Chris Knobloch. And... They've righted the ship, but what was it you said about the minute? What was it you said about the um, the new coach? The new coach bounce, yeah. Ah, yes. That there you go. So until the honeymoon period ends, if they continue on this hot winning streak and they carry it out to where they win twenty of twenty-two games, all right, I'll believe it. Something to that effect. But I'm not sold yet. I think there's still that honeymoon bounce that's going on. So has he fixed everything, fixed all their problems? No, because they still have the same goaltending. They still have the same crappy anemic defense and offense. Their offense isn't anemic, though. They're top four, top five in the league in scoring. Well, their goaltending is still crappy. They can't defense. defense. Mm. They can't stop 
other teams from scoring. Another one that jumps out at me, and we will travel on down to number 19, the Pittsburgh Penguins, 11-11-3. Yep. Dropped six points, six places. Their Christmas list wish, wish list item is a power play goal. They are 0 for 31 on the power play in the past 12 games. The modern NHL record is held by the Cleveland Barons in 77-78 that went 16 games without a power play goal. So they're infringing on some history here. (laughs) One is just cold, and I I don't even know. Yeah. I don't. You have you have Cindy Crosby. You have uh, Evgeny Malkin, Gino. You have Jake Gensel. Both of them, yeah. Yeah. How are you not putting pucks in the net? <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, I, I. I. Okay. I'll read number thirty-one. <laughs> A friend for Connor Bedard. Yep, that was another one of mine as well. <laughs> um, and by friend, they actually they're actually implying someone who has the skill to keep up with him. Yes, but given everything that's happened there, I think they're implying other stuff too, whether they meant to or not. Um, and when you if you take a quick look at their roster, they're there are some defensemen his age, but I think the entire forward group um, is all worried about their gray hairs at this point. Okay. So a third one for me, and I'm going to throw this one in there because it's actually a slight nod to you because I know how much you love to use that phrase, but Calgary Flames who have dropped to 26 from 22. Their wish list item, several first-round picks. And just to read the sentence, Noah Hannafin, Elias Lindholm, Chris Tanev. Pack your stuff. It's time to get multiple firsts and kickstart a much-needed organizational shift towards the future. The present isn't worth that investment. What's that phrase you like to use? Earth-shattering kaboom. Oh, earth-shattering kaboom. Yeah. yeah. We've, literally, I, we've been saying this since before Jerome McGinley left. I think that's what literally that a decade ago bit was about right there. Yeah. So that's my gift to you. <laughs> the nod to Mike right there. Um, the other one is actually up at my last one, and this is only four, so I don't ha- – well, I could come up with a fifth one, but I only had four. The fourth one is actually up at number four, and that's the Colorado Avalanche. You would think that a team this high on the list wouldn't have a wish list item. However, they wish for protective armor for Kale McCarr. They're just fine without him, but they want to make sure he misses as little time as possible because – he has been the most dominant player this season. He could potentially win a Hart Trophy. And he'd be the first one defenseman in 23 years to win it, not only win it, but be nominated for it. He's good enough to get there if he plays a full season. 
good luck, Kale. <laughs> um, last one from me, um, and this one is um, mm, yes, not necessarily something you get out of the uh, big. Uh, newspapers you're not probably going to see this one in the new york times or sports illustrated number 28 seattle kraken 27th last week 28th uh from both uh voters this week a sophomore slump buster um we're talking they're talking about um Marty Beniers. Marty Beniers. Yep. Or Beniers, I think they want to pronounce it, but I can't remember. It's changed at least three times. Yeah, in college it was Beniers, but now I think it's Beniers. Um, so the article goes on the the Kraken's plan in the short and long term only works if Marty Beniers is a pillar down the middle. As a rookie, that was the case. In year two, at his low start, 32, uh, 13 points, 27 games, wasn't unexpected. Bernier's personal and on-ice shooting percentage were both really high last season, and regression seemed inevitable. Still, Seattle dropping to 4.4% with him on ice is a little much. Let's expect him to break out of it. Dropping to what? Uh, they lost a sentence along with Bernier. It must be off vacationing with Bernier's production. Um they lost half of that sentence somewhere. Um, Where did they drop? Four point four. They dropping dropped to four point four percent. What? Yes, that's what they lost. There's at least one word or phrase or stat that's missing. Yeah, I think there's something missing because it doesn't explain. Yeah. But we're but let's expect him to break out of it, whatever it is. Yes, that. <laughs> That, yes, that. that and is. that, hockey fans, is where we'll leave you. Uh, we will have a Will Hear Won't He uh, in the show. Uh, the, the Twitter link will be in the show description. Um, Chris, anything? Nothing. I enjoy. We got two weeks till. We got three weeks till the beginning of of a new year. We got two weeks till till Christmas. Uh, winter Classic is coming. Winter Classic is the one to look for on the horizon. Isn't that between the thirty one and thirty two franchises in the NHL? Vegas and it Seattle. Is, it is. So that'll be entertaining in and of itself. It doesn't involve an original six team. It doesn't involve uh, a major. It, well, it only involves recent history, to be quite honest. The most recent of history. Yeah. Uh, it, well, it does involve the defending Stanley Cup champions. Ah, there we go. Yes. Oh, we did miss Anthony Beauvillier. He was traded from Vancouver to Chicago. Is he going to be Connor Bedard's new friend? Uh, well, they 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 actually list him on the wish list and say that he's not quite right or something to that effect. Hold on, let me get it correct. Anthony Bavillier doesn't quite cut it. Please send help. And 
on that note, folks. <laughs> happy Hello time. Um, happy Hanukkah. And we will be right back here next week. Maybe. Take care, folks.